there's a imagine a scoreboard for a, a, a you know a sports team. There's a scoreboard in the stadium, and they have you know whatever the, the score is ten to twenty. This team and this team ten and twenty. So the federal deficit for that game is thirty. 10 plus 20 is 30. So the national debt is the, in that context of the sports stadium is how many points they have ever given to all teams ever. That, okay, so it's utterly meaningless in, in the game. Uh, it, it is utter, it's a novelty. It, who cares how many points a stadium has given to all teams ever? Who cares? And the problem is not that the stadium gave away too many points. Of course, I mean, that's the nature of a stadium is teams getting points. The problem in the, putting this in the kind of the context of our society, the problem is that the team, one of the teams is cheating and we need to stop them from cheating. And we have a referee who is doing nothing about that cheating. And the people who hire the referee are not doing anything to regulate that referee. Welcome to Activist MMT, a podcast about nonviolent MMT direct activism, introducing modern monetary theory to the world and conversations about learning MMT together. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today's part two of my two-part conversation with Isha Krishnaswamy as a guest on her own show, Late Night with Lenin. Isha has me cold read two pieces by Lenin written more than 100 years ago, and she describes why they remain important and relevant. Isha is the host of the podcast Historically, which is realistic history, similar to how MMT is realistic economics. You can follow Historically on Twitter at historic underscore ly and historically.substack.com. I've hosted eight episodes for her podcast, links to which you can find in the show notes. Although I admittedly struggle through the readings with its unusual names and concepts in early 20th century Russian history, even so, it results in very interesting conversation throughout, all anchored by modern money theory. And now, let's get right back to my conversation with Isha Krishnaswamy. Um, and uh, there's a lot to discuss and there's like, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to connect so many things. So, so which one am I getting here? Yep. Capitalist mockery of the people. Okay. Just start reading. Yep. Okay. You're going to like this because you're a union man. I am. I mean, I'm, Aren't you? I'm not in a union. I'm obviously you, very mind. supportive of unions. My wife's else. in a union. And the only reason that we have stability is because she's in a union I, for, um, I i i must have gotten you confused with somebody else i actually watched um your your sundays with lennon with um paul knox okay uh i i've been in a chat room private chat room with him for quite a while it's, it's it was cool to see him uh in person like really that. good isn't he yeah um all right capitalist 
Capitalist Mockery of the People, mm-hmm. uh, 1917. The meeting of representatives of the capitalists and workers of the Southern mining industry ended on May 23rd. The meeting came to nothing. The capitalists found all the demands of the workers unacceptable. The workers' delegation attending the meeting read a statement disclaiming all responsibility for possible complications. The case is as clear as can be. The crisis has not been averted in the least. The employers have not been curbed. And now we read it would be amusing were it not so sad. <laughs> oh, my God. I've, I've, I always say this, like, it'd be really funny if it weren't true. Like, oh, my God. Lennon said it first. Go figure. <laughs> what, what did he say first? It would be amusing were it not so sad. Oh, oh, oh. that. It, it would be amusing if it were not so sad that it had been decided to appoint a committee made up of representatives of the <laughs> government and the two conflicting parties, exclamation point, <laughs> and that the employers have asked for an immediate increase in prices. For coal. Go ahead. Oh, so this is a wage a negotiation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to give the reader an idea of what lengths, what lengths the capitalists go in defying the people. We quote a few passages from the ministerial newspaper, i.e. the mouthpiece of a party that has representatives in the cabinet. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Quote, there's three paragraphs. Yeah. The workers' delegation from the Southern Mining Industry informed the Economic Department of the Executive Committee of the Soviet of, Soviet of Workers and Soldiers Deputies about the actual state of affairs. On the basis of this information, we can declare that the employer's figures quoted by N.N. Cutler are absolutely <laughs> untrustworthy. The, the, col, the colliery? Yeah. Col, the I don't colliery? know what I'll Google it. Actually, just let me see if I can just take a second. Coal mine and the buildings and equipment associated to it. Okay, I was right. Okay, coal mines. Okay. The colliery owners had been making enormous profits before the revolution, and yet just before its outbreak, they were haggling with the old government for a rise in the requisition prices <laughs> on coal. In addition to the three kopecks, which the government was willing to grant. Um, yeah, the- kopecks is like a penny. They don't use that anymore. But um, yeah, it's kapiek, I think. It doesn't even matter what you call it. Um, but Or maybe they use it. Uh, I, I, but it's like a penny. But a ruble is more like a penny. So kapiek is like a, yeah, one one hundredth of that. Okay. K-O-P-E-K-S. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to the three kopecks, which, which the government was willing to grant, the colliery owners were asking five more kopecks. So this is wage negotiation. Um, from the revolution. No, 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 no. What they're saying is that in order to like give workers like living wages, we can't sell our coal. But to raise our prices. Yeah, it's a wage. It's a wage. It's a negotiation where they want their their a wage price inflation. I mean, wage. There we won't hire wages. Okay, well then we raise our prices, which makes your wages not be as valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what it is. Correct. So it's a negotiation. Yeah. Um, for the from the revolutionary revolutionary provisional government on the other hand they succeeded during the very first days of the revolution in obtaining a rise of eight kopecks <laughs> this this new rate being extended to the old deliveries to the railways and to requisitions dating back to january afterwards they managed oh to oh my get- god okay so let me explain what happened then so basically after okay the czar was forced to abdicate and then they put up like uh, they were like a 14 prime ministers or something really messed up and the uh, Kerensky government retroactively paid the coal mine owners an increase 
in the price of coal by eight kopecks from before they were in government. Like this is not the, uh, this, so this is the Kerensky government, the Kerensky government, um, the Bolshevik government comes in uh, November, October, depending on your Julian or Gregorian calendar. But wow, that's horrifying. Okay, that's retroactive. That's like aud- audacious. Okay, go on. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, the new rate extended to the old deliveries to the railways and to the requisitions dating back to January. Afterwards, they managed to get three kopecks more, making a total of 11 kopecks. Before the revolution, the requisition price was eight kopecks. Now it is 20. 20- 18. Oh, yeah. 18 kopecks. Now it is 29. Government contracts at that time brought 22 kopecks per pood. Pood is like a like a like a weight measure in Tsarist Russia. I don't know how much it is, but it's okay. a weight. <laughs> While now the prices are 33 and 34 and even more. Okay, and now end quote. What is this, if not the most outrageous mockery of the people on the part of capitalists? So basically, we'll, we'll raise your wages, no problem, but we're going to raise prices that basically make your uh, wages no, no, completely no, ineffective. But they've already raised prices some already until now, so they, there's no reason they need to raise prices again because they've been like raising prices for the past six months. Right. But, but any wage increase, they're, they're, just, they're making it such that any wage increase basically doesn't affect them at all and doesn't affect workers at all. Because the prices are going up exactly at the same. So exactly. that's actually similar to money neutrality. So any money spending by the government is neutral because the prices go up is the same. So the real wage of, of people stays the same because they can buy only they can only buy the same amount of stuff. So it's yeah, it's great that that my wage went up, but it doesn't change my ability to purchase things in the world. And actually, if I may, uh, uh, a little bit of a diversion, which this reminds me of is, is Amazon raised the minimum wage and Disney raised the minimum wage significantly because of Bernie's uh, influence. He, he said, you should raise the minimum wage and they did. And that's great. And he should get credit for that. As important as it is for the minimum wage to go up, it doesn't change the fact that it really made hardly any difference to those to those workers because it just merely switched the kind of abuse that they get. So now they're not abused with wages as much, but now their low hours are reduced. Now they're abused oh. physically in the warehouses. They still have to pee in a bottle while they're driving an Am- we'll drive an Amazon van, and their benefits are reduced. They're classified as part time. So yeah, minimum wage needs to be raised, but doing that in isolation merely changes the form of abuse. It doesn't reduce abuse. And so money neutrality is the idea of creating it. The government creates money and gives it to the people, but it doesn't change the people's lives because what they can purchase with that money doesn't change. What needs to be, those prices need to stay the same. And that's the only way that wages can actually change people's lives is if if those prices stay the same. Len puts in price controls, actually, but go on. Yeah, a whole, a whole bunch. Of, I mean, putting people, putting CEOs and corrupt CEOs in jails is another <laughs> small piece of that puzzle as well. Or if you can, like, strand them in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And that is another option yacht. we can discuss. That's right. No, Lenin seriously did that, actually. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so where was I? Yeah, um, okay. What is, so after the quote, what is this, what is this, if not the most outrageous mockery of the people on the part of the capitalists? Taking advantage of the revolution, the capitalist government styling itself, quote, revolutionary government and using this, quote, noble name to hoodwink the, hoodwink the ignorant people is putting more and more money into the pockets of the capitalists, helping them to amass more and more millions. Billions now. <laughs> Go ahead. The country is 
ruin and the 10 capitalist members of the provisional government are accommodating the employers who are looting the land, robbing the people, and swelling the colossal profits of capital. The ministry, quote, the Ministry of Commerce and Industry is under the beck and call of Congress and the South Rus Russian mine owners. <laughs> Faced by the catastrophe towards which industry in the South is heading, it does not it does nothing to avert it. On the contrary, it systematically submits to the pressure of the Southern industrialists. <clears throat> End quote. Thus wrote the very same ministerial paper, the organ, the organ of the Mensheviks. Rabochaya Gazeta. Okay. Rabochaya Gazeta on May 14th, 1917, a week after the coalition cabinet was formed. Since then, absolutely nothing has changed. <laughs> but That's the Biden's campaign promise. <laughs> Oh yeah. So, Go ahead. Uh, but he's better than Trump. What? So what? Uh, we, have, we have to be thankful. No, we have allegedly. to be thankful. No, he does not tweet at three a.m. That is okay. a clear improvement, and he does not have orange Dorito covered hair, colored hair. This is a clear improvement. Ish, of course. Uh, thank you. No, but but then does he even know? Like, I, I'm not entirely sure he knows what Twitter is or he knows what year it is. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, but the ministerial paper has been forced to admit even more damaging facts. Listen to this. Quote, there's another paragraph. The owners are sabotaging. They are deliberately letting things slide. If a pump is needed, no one looks for it. If wire gauze is needed for the miners' safety lamps, it is not supplied. The owners do not want to increase production, nor do they want to spend any money on essential repairs or on replacing worn-out equipment. The machines are getting old and will soon be out of commission. Frequently, the workers themselves when this or that when when told. when told that this or that article cannot be obtained go out to buy the necessary tools and they generally find what they need the employers do nothing to ship their products such as coal cast iron etc products to the value of tens and hundreds of millions of ruble lay idle while the country is in dire need of them end quote um this reminds me of the uh, uh the conflict theory of inflation which comes from marx and it, and nmt adopts go and for it MMT, uh, I, I don't have totally have my head around it, um, but vaguely, the inflation is is inherently a reflection of class conflict. Is ah. an inflation is inherently a reflection of power struggle, generally between capitalists and workers and laborers. We yeah. should actually figure out, and I'm it, sure Lenin's written something about this. So It comes from Marx. Uh, I'm pretty sure it comes from Marx. It, it, inflation is inherently a reflection of power struggle generally between workers and laborers and capitalists and uh, cooperation from the government. Oh my God. It cannot, it, government has to be complicit in order to allow that power struggle to grow because this is all about who can push what real and financial costs onto who. And in our current society, capitalists can generally push all costs, real and financial, onto workers and to consumers. And government does nothing to stop it. And actually, the analogy that, that comes to mind at the moment is that, you know, the national debt, oh, we got to reduce the national debt. The national debt's too high. No, the national, the size of the national debt is not the problem. The problem is that there are a few people stealing almost all of it. The solution to the national debt is not reducing the national debt. It's stopping those people from stealing and, and taking what they stole from us. And an analogy, a really good analogy, is that if there's a – imagine a scoreboard for a, a, a you know, sports team. There's a scoreboard in the stadium, and they have you know, whatever the, the score is, 10 to 20. 
this team and this team 10 and 20. So the federal deficit for that game is 30. 10 plus 20 is 30. So the national debt is the, in that context of a sports stadium is how many points they have ever given to all teams ever. That, okay, so it's utterly meaningless in, in the game. Uh, it, it is utter, it's a novelty. It, who cares how many points a stadium has given to all teams ever? Who cares? And the problem is not that the stadium gave away too many points. Of course, I mean, that's the nature of a stadium is teams getting points. The problem in the, putting this in the kind of the context of our society, the problem is that if the team, one of the teams is cheating and we need to stop them from cheating. And we have a referee who is doing nothing about that cheating. And the people who hire the referee are not doing anything to regulate that referee. And this is the, this is the similar of the government I, the, the government is not doing anything to protect workers from having all real and financial costs pushed on them by capitalists because capitalists are paying off politicians to look the other way. Now, wow. I, I, it's kind of out there, but that actually did apply. So the conflict theory of inflation is that this power struggle and that those who are in authority allow this power struggle to get out of whack because those who are in power pay them to do it. I, I swear to God, I, I like you should come back in a few weeks because I swear Lenin's probably written something about this. I just don't know. <laughs> like, I, because what Lenin often does is what Marx may, Marx is a good economist, but he's a really bad writer. So Lenin um, translates Marx into a way where it's funny, witty, good to read and easy to understand. I actually, before we, for this conversation, I actually thought Lenin came before Marx. I'm surprised. Oh, no. Lenin this this was, shows how my, all my ignorance of history and, and okay. you know. <laughs> Lenin was, when Marx died, Lenin was 13. Okay. Marx was born mm. on May 5th, 1818, and he died on March 14, 1883. Mm. So, yeah. Um, Lenin was born on April 22nd, 1870, and he died on January 21st, 1924. Mm. Wow. 54. I know. I know it's very sad, um, but yeah, my Lenin was after Marx. And so what he did. So what Marx did is he explained a lot of the economy, how the economy works, how capitalism works, like 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 Marx basically gave a theory. Lenin showed people how to put it in practice and implement it. <laughs> and that's why it's called Marxism Leninism. Oh, OK. OK. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Oh, uh, so I'll keep reading? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ministerial mouthpiece. No, no. The owners are in dire need of them. Okay. So you just talked yeah, about. Okay. So we just read the quote. Thus wrote the ministerial paper mouthpiece of that same Menshevik party <laughs> to which Saratelli Sir, and Shkola. Shko, Those are the two ministers in charge. Skobolev belong. Yeah. Okay. Martyev uh, Skobolev is what uh, was like a minister. Okay. So um, basically, there are people that Lenin, uh, there were two ministers. Um, uh, okay. Uh, uh, there are two ministers, basically, who didn't do crap, who kind of suck that Lenin doesn't like. Um, uh, the Tarilla, whatever, Sari Telly was like, is like one of the, like the hereditary nobles in the country of Georgia. Okay. And Martin. Tiviev Skobolev is like an uh, uh, is, is a family of a wealthy like oil rig um, in uh, Baku, Azerbaijan. Basically, one is like an oil magnate who's also a member of the um, Kerensky government, and the other is um, 
Uh, oh, the other is like a hereditary noble who's also a member of the current key government. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, this is sheer mockery on the people. This is sheer mockery of the people on the part of the capitalists. It's like a madhouse with the capitalists acting in collusion with the bourgeois section of the provisional government, among the members of which are Mensheviks and socialist revolutionaries. With the capitalists using obstruction and wrecking tactics that and, happened. and doing nothing to ship their products without which the country is facing ruin. Okay, so this is really good about obstruction. We already know what obstruction is. Mitch McConnell like did it with Obama all the time. Uh, so that's a very common technique that they'll use when they technically lose power in government. Uh, I mean, obviously, Kerensky's um, terrible, but he's not the czar. So the, the, the obstruction is actually, uh, we all know, but wrecking, that is, that happens that the, like the US funds um, it, it all the time. Like in Cuba, for example, when the revolution happened, like they were like wrecking as in like, like blowing up sugar refineries so that Cuba couldn't export anything and everyone would go hungry and then overthrow Castro allegedly. That was the theory. So wrecking is something that Americans need to learn. So making people making people desperate and then punishing them for acting desperately. And this was actually, this is, I know this is related to the topic you originally wanted to talk about today, which was Israel. It's all just the concept of bullying. It's, it's hurting someone and then punishing them for reacting for being hurt. Exactly. Pretending okay. that, that that initial thing never happened. Okay. Continue to read. And then you'll also, it'll answer all the dumb anti-Soviet propaganda, but go ahead. Like Lenin okay. answers it right here. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, with the, uh, without coal, the factories and railways are coming to a stand. Unemployment is spreading. There is a shortage of goods. The peasants cannot part with their grain without getting anything in return. Famine is imminent. But this is a man-made famine, and n they never talk about this, how capitalists intentionally created like billions and billions of many man-made famines. Okay, go ahead. Unless there is no ingredients then hunger is a choice. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, and all, and all this because of the capitalists who are in collusion with the government. And all this is tolerated by the Narodniks, the socialist revolution, liberal, more liberals, the socialist revolutionaries and the Mensheviks, the AOC liberals of Zarist Russia. Yeah. And, and speaking of obstruction, you know, even if we didn't have Mitch McConnell, the Senate itself is, is, is fundamentally intended for obstruction because tiny little Rhode Island has the same amount of uh, senators as California. Well, the funniest thing is somebody did a chart. Um, we can put it up later where New York City, uh, like, like it's like you take the five boroughs of New York City and there are 14 states that have a less population than the five boroughs. Of New York City itself. Yeah. New York City. Yep. Yeah. So, so even if Mr. Connell wasn't obstructing, the Senate itself prevents the people's will to a very great extent, even if Mitch McConnell was totally cooperative. Um, okay. Uh, where was I? And all, and all this because of the capitalists who are in collusion with the government. And all of this is tolerated by the Narodniks, the socialist revolutionaries, and the Mensheviks. They dismiss the matter with phrases. They wrote about these crimes of the capitalists on May 14th. It is now May 31st. Over a fortnight <laughs> has passed, but nothing has changed. Famine is steadily approaching. I like his innocence that he's like horrified that two weeks have passed and nothing has changed. <laughs> he's going to yeah. be really mad if he were to wake up today and realize a hundred years has passed and nothing has changed. 
they wrote about these crimes. Uh, yeah. To cover up these crimes of the capitalists and distract the attention of the people, all the capitalist newspapers wreck Diane. Here, uh, let me just read those out. Okay. Rech Dian Novea Vremia New Time. Raspaya Volia, I forgot what that is. Birzevia Vedimosti, I forgot what that was. And Yedinostvo. I'll figure this out. I'll, I'll, okay, I will get the translated so that Janet can put them in the subtitles, <laughs> the names of the papers. But go on. Okay. Uh, all of the capitalist newspapers, what you just stated, vie with each other in daily emptying their slop pails of lies and <laughs> calumny over the bullshit. Okay, I like this. Emptying their slop pails of lies. That is going to be our weekly Lenin insult. Slot empty. The Washington Post empties its slop pails of lies. I love but that. They ha- but they have little sprinkles of legitimate journalism, too. Oh, no, no, no. Le- Lenin already calls that, like, what is it? React, like, like, a kernel of truth with an enormous husk of sheer reactionary incomprehension. But yes. this one, I-, I love this. Daily emptying, daily emptying of their slot. Okay. The Washington Post has. Their daily emptying of their slap pails of lies. I like that. And calumny. What is, I know it's related to that, but I'm looking that up, that definition. I don't know what it Slander. means. Slander. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the Bolsheviks are to blame for the colliery. The, the coal mining owners. Colliery owners acting in collusion with the government for their stopping and wrecking production. This would indeed resemble a madhouse were it not for the theory and <laughs> worldwide experience of the class struggle, which have shown us that the capitalists and their go- and their government, supported by the Mensheviks, will stop at nothing when it comes to safeguarding their profits. Bingo. When is this going to stop? Must we wait until disaster sweeps land and people begin to die of starvation by the hundred and the thousand? Or millions because of covid or billions because of climate change yep nothing and, and that's climate like crisis wow this is exactly like what happens in the u.s every single day for the past whatever any administration right i think uh the climate crisis is going to pretty much consume almost all of us that's what i think and uh, I think very quickly, at some point in the not so distant future, those McMansions are going to be exactly in the same boat as those suppressed, poverty, impoverished neighborhoods. And that's only that's only going to be the tip of the iceberg. That's what I think. I don't want to even imagine this yet. It's going to be terrible. Um, but Lenin's right here. Um, so um, are, are you able to do one more piece? Sure. I can do one more piece. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Oh, no, this is super short. Let's do it. Capitalism. and We haven't done this for it, right? Nope. Okay. Um, Nes, uh, okay, let me look at what, who, how his Russian name's pronounced. Um, is this the, okay. you just posted this in Zoom? Yeah, okay. Uh, okay, let me move it to my iPad. Okay, so his name is Nikolai Vasil, oh, no, Vasilevich Snesaryev. And Lenin's trolling him. Um, he is, uh, he's a writer, I guess, so if you can call him that. Um, but yeah, somebody who Lenin trolls more or less. And it's kind of funny because if you go to his Wikipedia, it'll only be like what Lenin thinks of him. <laughs> and that's right. kind of how ha- it happens with most people that Lenin trolls is that like Lenin takes over their Wikipedia. If you go to his Wikipedia, the only thing it contains is what Lenin said about him in this article. Okay. All right. So I, I have it up. Capitalism in the press. Yeah. March 20th, 1914. Okay. 
When thieves fall out, honest men come by their own to some extent. <laughs> when bourgeois newspapermen quarrel, they reveal to the public the venality, the venality of the big dailies and the tricks they are up to. What's venality? What's venal? Like, uh, uh, well, like basically our associated uh, a venality is a vice associated Corrupt. with being bribable or willing to Got sell it. one service. Okay. Willing and to this, be bribed. Oh, okay. Oh my God. Okay. This is always gets mistranslated as prostitute when Lennon uses it. It's actually pro. Uh, let me just make okay. Prodajnost. Okay. Vremya. New, nova, novaya Vremya, which means new times. Okay. Novaya Vremya uh, quarreled with that newspaper, misappropriated some of its funds, and was dismissed after a scandal. <laughs> he has now published a quote book of 135 pages entitled The Mirage of the Novia Vrenya, as good as a novel. St. <laughs> Petersburg, 1914. Um, posing, as is the custom, as a, quote, perfect gentleman, Mr. Sneznerev describes the ethics which, has, which have long established themselves in the capitalist countries of the West and which are penetrating more and more into the bourgeois press in Russia, where the course where, of course, the soil is exceptionally favorable for the more sort, most sordid and disgusting forms of bribery, toadyism, etc., which are practiced with impunity. I like the poetic way he says where the soil is exceptionally favorable for the most disgusting forms of bribery. That's good poetic. Okay, go on. Uh, and toady is a person who behaves like obsequiously a like a toad. To, to someone important, like a yes man? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> which, are, which are practiced with impunity. Everybody has gradually become accustomed to live beyond his means. This Novia Vremya man writes with a charming air of, quote, injured innocence. Kind of like what the Democrats would did with Trump with their in injured innocence. But go on. I love this phrase. Is this related to how, like, uh, uh, Biden is being trumped up as he's such an amazing, wonderful president on all the major news channels? Mm -hmm. That yeah. is toadyism amongst the press. But go on. <laughs> Quote, when and how society will rid itself of this phenomenon or whether it will rid itself of it at all, nobody can tell. But that is but that but that such is the situation at the present time is a recognized fact. And one of the magic means by which one can live above one's income is to get bourgeois newspapers to part, quote per thousand rubles and an agreement was reached. That's about five thousand dollars. OK, at that time, 1913. Go ahead. OK. The quote victim, victimized Snesnerov <laughs> relates that not only did he sell himself to the capitalists for this sum, sell himself, the, but that the whole newspaper Novoyev Remya sold itself to conduct a quote, a campaign in favor of the concession <laughs> for which it received a 50% rebate on telegrams, a quote, cush, cushy job as, as a founder of the company of, and a grant of 50,000 rubles worth of shares. That uh, Bob Woodward actually did that too, and, and, and Dave Sirota mentioned like some like a big famous journalist had, had did that with health insurance companies. But go on. Okay. <laughs> London capitalists fleecing the Russians, concessions from the Russian government, press participation, wholesale corruption. Anybody and everybody bought and sold for thousands of rubles. Such is the truthful picture revealed by the disgruntled cook, Snes crook, crook, disgruntled crook, Snesver Snesverev. Novoya Vremya. Okay, go ahead. Novoya Vremya, an enterprise with millions invested in it, was collapsing. <laughs> the pampered sons of the renegade millionaire A.S. Suvorian were squandering and dissipating millions. The no Sales sons. Okay, interesting. Okay, go ahead. This noble newspaper had to be saved. P.L. Bark, managing director of the Volga 
quote, uh, P.L. Bark, managing director of the Volcal Comma Bank, appeared on the scene, close quote. He persuaded A.S. Suvorin to transfer the business to a company whose articles of association had received His Majesty's approval in August of 1911. Of the 800 shares at 5,000 rubles per share, 650 went to A.S. Suvorin. Informing the company, they drew up a fictitious balance sheet, Mr. Snesarev explains, adding that, quote, such a balance sheet could have been accepted either by people totally ignorant of figures or by people like Mr. Gupta. Guchkov, that is to say, people who know their business perfectly but pursue aims of their own, close quote. The heroes of this company's inauguration, the inaugural meeting was held on November 10th, 1911, where the Snesarev himself, were Snesarev himself, P.L. Bark, V.P. Burenin, Octoberist member, and the Duma Shabinsky the sons of that noble renegade, A.S. Suvorin, and others. As the reader sees this highly respectable... Um, okay, so let me quickly explain. Okay, uh, Guchkov was... Um, uh, okay, so Guchkov... Oh, okay, he founded the October 17th part. Okay, so the Octobers are like the right-wing nutjobs. Um, they're like the Tea Party. Okay, that's a great, great word. Okay, so he's like the... He's both the Tea Party... He's like the, He's exactly like Tom Cotton. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and then... So basically, um, he allowed this fraud like, the, OK, so the newspaper was really sucked and it was like failing. So he allowed this like London capitalist to like uh, bail out the newspaper. And it's like so stupid that um, it did not really like it. So according to Snesaryev, that like the ballot sheet was so BS that basically if anyone who knows how to add up the numbers would know that this is BS. The balance sheet of what? Uh, balance sheet of this fake company that they set up to bail out the newspaper that was failing. Okay. okay. Novo, Novo, see, that's what I meant. Okay, so Novia Vermia was failing. And the pampered sons of the renegade millionaire. Okay, so A.S. Saveran's sons were taking over the newspaper and they were failing magnificently. Somebody, So this like London capitalist, P.L. Bark, came in to bail out the stupid newspaper and so what happened is that he persuaded Severnian to transfer the like the debt to this fake company, like to this like little stupid company, a fake company. No, what do you call it? A shell corporation. Okay. And then like then they would like bail out the Novaya Vremya company and basically the members of the government who are supposed to oversee this and make sure that this is bullshit were in on the deal so nothing happened and they were able to have a london capitalist bail them out in exchange novoya remia in uh, actually like admitted as nasarov admitted that they conducted a campaign in favor of a concession i.e the london capitalist like getting to drill something in russia and looting or whatever it's like what what, what happens in the u.s car so i think what you're saying is that the corporations and the government bailed out a newspaper in exchange for that newspaper becoming an organ of the government and the cap no, no, and no, no. The, of the capitalist of the corporations yeah yeah the corporation the government yeah exactly that yep makes sense okay go ahead okay as the reader sees thank you as the reader sees this highly respectable company has been operating with great zeal since november 1911 but since 1912 the quote victimized Snesarev informs us Novoye Vremya has been receiving a subsidy <laughs> in the shape of the advertisements of the land banks, quote, not very great income, a mere 15,000 rubles per annum or 
or the quotes are wrong. The, the quote marks are wrong. Quote something around about that figure. Oh, okay. So it's really funny. So basically, this is exactly how Washington Post runs. Um, so basically, like, you know how Exxon, okay, like, or CNN, like Boeing, why, Boeing's not selling anything. Why are there Boeing ads on CNN? <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. This is exactly how Boeing, for the military industrial complex, like keeps control of like, all the press is that, for example, why are there Boeing ads on CNN? Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Because that's a bribe. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, of course. And this um, is exactly what's happening with the advertisement. So according to law. Right. Um, according to law. These oh, I see. According to law, these advertisements had to be given to the newspaper with the largest circulation. <laughs> At that time, Novoye Vremnia did not have the largest circulation, but it, quote, set in motion for the first time. The noble Snesser of vows its backstairs influence and connections in government circles in order to retain these land bank advertisements. Land bank. Land bank advertisements, and that's a a, a name, land bank. Quote: The so matter was the type of a bank that like uh, rents out money for mortgages. Okay. Okay. The matter. No, 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 lends out, not rents out. Okay, go ahead. The matter was discussed by the Council of Ministers, and after rather serious hesitation, it was decided to allow <laughs> Novoye Vremya to retain the advertisements. A literary and art science societies club, quote, in plain words, a gambling house, was formed. Quote, in the club's debt book, the members of the staff of the Novoye Vremya had thousands of rubles against their accounts. Their de these debts were simply written off, close quote. So basically, these journalists, like, in exchange for, like, writing good PR for the uh, London in and hedge fund or investment bank kind of got all their debt. Like they could just like have like infinite amount of money to spend and do whatever they want. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, in cooperation with Menshikov and others, the stockbroker Manis, who grew rich on the stock exchange and piled up a fortune of several millions, launched a campaign in Novoye Vremya demanding Kakovstov's, Kakovstov's resignation from the cabinet. We leave it to our readers to figure out how many thousands of each of these, quote, public servants received and how much they have yet <laughs> coming to them. So it's, uh, I, I might be wrong, but this seems to me that they're using the newspapers to report the truth on politicians they don't like. No, no, uh, like, they were, they, kind of like what Fox News does, not, not the truth, but like a campaign just to get them to resign from, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I don't know uh, if it's true or not. That's okay. It. okay. Go ahead. A whirly gig of mo a million of millions began. The Novoria of Remnant with a balance of five millions, which of which three millions are fictitious, salaries and fees of two and three thousand rubles per month to second rate and third rate members of the staff. Uh, hundreds of thousands of millions of wasted loans from banks accounting to hundreds of thousands, universal corruption, prostitution in all its forms, illegal and legal, sanctified by marriage, <laughs> the cream of high Saint Saint Petersburg, Saint Peter, Saint Petersburg society, millionaires, cabinet ministers, stockbrokers, and distinguished foreigners, gambling houses, blackmail in different forms, no political convictions, envy and intrigues, amphitrov, yeah. Amphitetrov and Snesferev challenging the engineer <laughs> to a duel <laughs> for insulting the editors of Novoye Vremya, who had slung mud at the students. A.S. Suvorend, who was very fond of Amphitetrov, but could not deny himself the pleasure of annoying him by letting through an article by Brennan containing a nasty dig at <laughs> the actress Ris Riskaya, Amphitetrov's wife, Brennan Brennan kicks Amphitetrov out. Suvorin scape Grace yeah. sons. 
the scapegrace is fail sons, basically. Go ahead. What's fail sons? A fail son is like um, somebody who's the son of a rich person, like white coke. Oh, my God. Okay. The uh, son of a rich person. No, 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 no. Let me show you white coke. Oh, my God. You don't know why. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, to- I think. No, 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 I, no, I think he sells shirts or something. No, 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 no. Yeah, but let's do it. I, we have to. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. White Coke. Oh, God. Um, Let's play this. For, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Like, um, just so you know, like, this is like an example. Uh, uh, this is an example. Okay, Janet, can we play this White Coke ad? It's like the best. <laughs> I think he may be like doing anti-capitalist propaganda. Yeah, it, I, vaguely. Vaguely. Okay. It's really funny. You have to watch it. My father said to me, Wyatt, you can do whatever you want to in life. Just make sure you do it well and you do it with passion. How about take your father down? Do that with passion. I go to the office. I enjoy creating the clothes. Be bold means to me, be authentic, be real, be yourself, be confident, and always be a gentleman, but still have that tenacity that no one can take away from you. Look at this shirt. It's so ugly. No, no, not ugly. It's money. Oh, it's money? Or in a discotheca or a nightclub or on a yacht. He actually, that's what he makes is the shirts. Okay. Right, right, right. Create something. Well, you're right. It is bags of money. Outside the box. <laughs> yet really bold and interesting. All right. Wow. I did not realize. I just know. Okay. I just had, I had never reg- registered that the shirt was literally money bags. I had only registered that. Not just money bags. Money bags exploding with <laughs> too much, so much that they couldn't even hold it. That's basically what his daddy probably has for him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Do but, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Because you're a billionaire. You're like a no, no. But I'm saying. But I'm saying. What? Uh, as long as it doesn't disturb, you know, rock our boat. You can do whatever you want. What are the boundaries of whatever you want? It, I was making really ugly shirts that uh, no one. I bet you no one but his dad buys. <laughs> right. Uh, um. We're almost done. Uh, yeah. We're at yeah, uh, so scapegrace yeah, sons yeah. runs up that amounting to hundreds of thousands of rubles. Novoya Vremna's loss in 1905, 150,000 rubles. Scared by 1905, Moscow merchants and manufacturers give 100,000 rubles to found a patriotic newspaper for workers. At their request, Novoya Vremya undertook to arrange the matter. The newspaper dragged out the miserable existence for two years and then closed down. Muscovites lost 100,000 rubles and the Novoya Vremya people 150,000 rubles. Thieves, male prostitutes, venal writers, venal writers, venal newspapers, such as our big press, such as the flower of our high society. Everybody knows these people. They have connections everywhere. The brazen insolence of feudalists embracing in the dark with the brazen corruption of the bourgeoisie, such as holy Russia. And and America. I I read a, a, a fantastic book a long time ago. I actually only read half of it, but it completely changed me. I read a book called The History of Heterodox Economics uh, by Fred, Fred Lee, Frederick Lee, and it's all about how uh, the, it's, it's, you would think it's a history of the economic concepts of economic theory. It's not. It's a book about the discrimination received by heterodox economists in, at the hands of neoclassical economists throughout history, Marxists, everyone, uh, the discrimination that they received. That's all but the book is about. You know what's about. really funny? Um, uh, if you look, okay, so most of those like stupid um, 
mainstream economists, like after 10 years, everything they write is utter garbage. Marx is still true, like 200 years later, Lenin 100 years later, 100, uh, Lenin's not an economist, but he's really sure. good at whatever he did. Sure. Uh, which is, uh, but he's uh, 100 years later, everything he says is still relevant. Is relevant, so, so, yeah. So what you notice is that these people, like the guys who crashed the economy in 2008, like all of them, Ben Bernanke said, I, I forgot something really stupid, many stupid things. So it's like they are there to be wrong, right? Right. And their reach with the internet and with it, it with makes it such that they can reach now they can reach everywhere and they can reach there instantly. So the power is so great that it's really there. I mean, <laughs> it's very bad because of the reach that they now have because of high technology. But what I wanted to say with the history of heterodox economics is, is that it, uh, all of the official like neoclassical information is printed in very highly you know, polished, published books, and it's taught in very fancy classrooms with high technology, garbage. and it's complete garbage. The real stuff is taught in, you know, backyards with folding chairs, and in, you know, living rooms, and with printed out copies from staples, and it's not fancy. So, what feels more real and relevant? It does it, you know, is the fact that you're in a fancy classroom with high technology and with printed out nicely published books, does that, does, what does that change about your perception about the information that you're being given, as opposed to, you know, you're in the backyard with some reading group with some people learning real information, but the, but the materials themselves are not fancy. That, and that, know. that reminds that that's what, I don't know, something about the end of this article reminded me of that, that it's that the newspapers are being supported by these corporations to, you know, just say what the corporations want them to say, where these struggling newspapers are, you know, they're, they don't have as much reach and as much support and so on. I don't know. That's what it made me think of. No, no, it's exactly that way. Um, and with that, um, let's put up our QR codes. Please, please, please donate to us. We need money and we need to be able to like to hire Janet for full time so that we can we can have her wonderful self like we need a lot of money so please donate um but yeah um you're right in that it's like I know exactly what it's like okay so Ben I bet you your podcast probably gets way more listens than Ben Shapiro's podcast if you actually listen to the number of people who actually listen in their ears we can pretend that <laughs> okay no, 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 no. <laughs> okay fine okay your podcast definitely gets more than bill o'reilly's podcast um no doubt uh, like my podcast already, my podcast definitely gets more listens than bill o'reilly's podcast but guess what they have these like coke brothers like, like so the right-wing ideologies like they have these the, but the reason why they exist and exist and exist is because they have um they have billionaires like the mercers who are just like give them infinite money to like spit out garbage and that no one listens to so yeah they say stuff that doesn't rock their boat that exactly. actually promotes their boat exactly. we say stuff that rocks their boat exactly but then we are all struggling together because we're all saying things we don't want corporate ads or anything like that and please please um go to historically.substack.com slash subscribe or vilenin.substack.com slash subscribe please donate we it's five dollars a month blah 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 okay um this is shameless. I know this, but whatever. It's, what um, we, it's not the fact that you have to beg. We all have to beg. It's who you beg. Okay. I'm begging you, the American people who watch my, or the whoever watches my show, <laughs> which I have no idea who, but thank you for watching each and every one of you. I love you for this. Okay.
how do people find you on Twitter, social media? How do people listen to your podcast and subscribe to it? Can you give all the vital details of your podcast? Okay, well, I've done eight episodes for you. Yeah, um, including one episode with you, two episode, you know, two part episode with you. Um, my podcast is called Activist MMT. I talk about uh, MMT academic concepts, but I also talk about the personal stories of how people's lives were changed by MMT, what their lives were like before they heard about it, and how it changed them, and what they're thinking is now like because of it. So the personal stories of how MMT changed them. So it's kind of half and half. Um, Activist MMT uh, on Twitter, Activist MMT on Facebook, same thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I could definitely use some patrons myself. I, I put it. I'm about to put out. Um, I'm I'm starting to approach around 100 episodes now. Um, wow. So I started in September of 2019. So yeah, yeah. Okay. That's my podcast. Okay, so uh, please subscribe. Please uh, download. Give him good ratings on iTunes. All of the things and, you're supposed to do. And oh, oh, and I have my. I now I just created a new website uh, for all the resources that I've been compiling for a long time. Um, it's the same stuff, but now it's on a new website called activistmmt.org. Oh. And uh, click on the Patreon link and please, you know, give me a buck or a hundred bucks a month and. And Absolutely. I will. And um, act, uh, yes, please visit his website. It's a great resource. Bookmark it. Uh, is it it's activist? it's uh, activistmmt.org. It, it is a very large resource uh, to point the, the oh people God. to. It's there's humongous. there's almost 60 articles now and it posts and they, they all they're basically a gateway to the, the works of the MMT economists. Uh, but it's written but it's written for the layperson to learn about MNT. And uh, it's, I, I think it's, it's some pretty good stuff in there. Um, if there were one link in there, I would, I would uh, want to, you know, people to really know it's, it's called first papers. It's one of the top most links in there. It's called what first, first papers. It's a, it's a collection of, I think eight, uh, MMT academic papers that for someone who know no, knows nothing about economics or MMT, they're really, really good gateways into uh, what MMT is about. They're academic papers, but they're written for average people and they're short and they're very important. Um, so, uh, activists, yeah. Well, thank you so much. And we should really have you back again to kind of, um, uh, I I'm surprised that these are making, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm maybe not totally getting these readings, but they're, uh, they're, they're triggering, triggering a lot of interesting conversations. So the uh, point. it's yeah. trigger, like, because it is relevant. And the thing is that what happens with uh, bourgeoisie idea? Okay, so a lot of people say really like dumb things that won't work, like it's counterintuitive because their instincts have been programmed the wrong way. And I was like, what the hell? Why are you not? Um, uh, why are you not? Um, uh, basically, it's like telling uh, like a lot of people have like really stupid ideas, like let's change America. Uh, like let, let's infiltrate the Democratic Party and if we elect a hundred million AOCs, then uh, something magical will happen. Like those things don't happen magically. Um, so this is why I started it. And then what happened was that I was on Katie Halper's show and I asked people, like, I kept on annoying people like, read Lenin, read Lenin, read Lenin. And then I was I asked them why they didn't. And then they're like, we need somebody to like handhold us and read it for us. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then that's how the show started. Wow. That's cool. Okay. So this is exactly what the point is. It's to like bring a, to keep it relevant for um, today. And, and academic theories don't, aren't just, they don't, they're not just in a bubble. There's the world in which the academic theories exist. And actually the history of heterodox economics, it's neoclassical economics is the ideas are not just the problem. You have to also consider 
who promotes those ideas and how they behave against those who don't agree with those ideas. So you have to consider the behavior of neoclassical economists and you know the power behind them as part of the context of those ideas themselves. And actually an analogy is Bill Cosby. I grew up on Bill Cosby's comedy, but now that I know who he has been for many years, I no longer want to hear his comedy anymore. The comedy is still awesome, but I can't separate that from who he is as a person. So it's like, you know, the whole picture, the history. History is really, really important to put those those academic concepts into context, into proper context. And that's what the show does and Lennon does. Okay, done. I just subscribed. I became a $1 patron. <gasps> okay, I didn't even know if you had one. So sorry, I would have subscribed earlier. It is really, really nice that you did that. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming and everyone subscribe to everything. And I know we need to have like a centralized system where we can all have a coalition and we all like get it distributed. Oh, well, okay, whatever, but we're, we're going to figure it. So somebody needs to figure this out so that you can have a coalition of progressive journalists so that everyone can like just put in five bucks and we all get our money, but that's not going to have, that's not happening yet. So I'm that's, gonna- I mean, social media is really about the only way that we get presence. We get, yeah. we get seen is if other people choose to sh- share it further so that we can be seen. That's the only yeah. way. That's why these, you know, fantastic, that's why these fantastic Bernie advertisements were never seen because the only people that are, can see them are those that share them further and no news, no news stations are going to share those things. You know, so exactly. Um, so share it and uh, we will be back next week with another guest um, and we may have some fun topics. Isha, thank you. Uh, I think uh, you, I think you are, you do really amazing stuff and that you're really fierce with, I mean, your rage tweet thread, the, the, a couple months ago was, oh my gosh, that that made my day. Oh my gosh. So dumb. Oh my God. It's like, he he miscoded marks twice. You do great stuff. You do really, really great stuff. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, thank you so much and have a good rest of Saturday. You too. Bye. Bye. Music for this show is by Rec Tech. You can find Rectech on SoundCloud and Spotify at W-R-E-C-K underscore T-E-C-H. To record Activist MMT, I use the iOS phone app Tape a Call Plus for recording phone calls and Zencaster for internet-based recordings. My post-production workflow starts by editing on the iOS app AnyTune Pro Plus, then transferring those timestamps to my Windows desktop. At that point, I crudely process the audio in Audacity and then implement the edits and do all of the final processing in the Reaper digital audio workstation. Activist MMT is hosted by Libsyn and the video teasers are created with the online Headliner app.
today's part two of my two-part conversation with Isha Krishnaswamy as a guest on her own show, Late Night with Lenin. Isha has me cold read two pieces by Lenin written more than 100 years ago, and she describes why they remain important and relevant. Isha is the host of the podcast Historically, which is realistic history, similar to how MMT is realistic economics. You can follow Historically on Twitter at historic underscore ly and historically.substack.com. I've hosted eight episodes for her podcast, links to which you can find in the show notes. Although I admittedly struggle through the readings with its unusual names and concepts in early 20th century Russian history, even so, it results in very interesting conversation throughout, all anchored by modern money theory. And now, let's get right back to my conversation with Isha Krishnaswamy. Enjoy. Enjoy. 